Well, this is week number four of a series that we're in called In Search Of, and uh, basically the highlight of this series uh, identifies the fact that we all in life are searching for something, and the goal of this series is to answer uh, the what you're searching for, and that's what we believe is Jesus. We believe that Jesus fulfills every longing and every desire in our heart, and everything that we think brings satisfaction pales in comparison to Jesus. And so we're looking at stories in scripture, familiar stories, where Jesus has encounters with unlikely people. Like people that we wouldn't, if we were God, we wouldn't choose to interact with these people the way that he does, but he chooses to interact because he is a God that uh, his ways are just higher than our ways and sometimes we don't understand what he does. And so these interactions, these encounters with unlikely people give us all hope. Because the truth is, is we were all unlikely people or we are unlikely people and God still extends his love to each of us. And so we're excited about that. Uh, Today we're going to be in John chapter number four. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you use uh, a Bible on your smartphone, we offer free Wi-Fi so that you don't use any of your data. So there you go. Um, It's also going to be on the screen if you don't have either of those and you can read along with us. Um, This is John chapter four. I'm going to read a portion of this story, not all of it, but a good portion of it. And then we're going to come back and talk through uh, some of it. Hopefully it'll be an encouragement to us. John chapter four, I'm gonna start reading in verse number three. It says, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well It was about the sixth hour. It was about noon. It was middle of the day, and Jesus is on a journey to Galilee, but he stops in this small town called Sychar in Samaria. We'll talk about that and the importance of that in a few moments. Verse number seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. They're on different wavelengths here. They're, they're missing each other completely in this conversation. And he told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. 
Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Now let's, let's talk through this fairly familiar story. If you've grown up in church, if you've been around the church, chances are you've at least heard of this story before. But many of us, maybe we don't have church background and this is just foreign. And so I want to make sure that we all get on the same page this morning. So Jesus is traveling to Galilee and he goes through a town called Sychar on his way. Um, I believe because he wants to meet specifically with this woman, which gives us all hope that we know that Jesus pursues us and he sometimes goes out of his way to have encounters with us. Because the fact is, is Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. In fact, Jews looked down on Samaritans in this day and age because the Samaritans would have been considered um, a half-breed. They would have been considered cast-offs from the Jewish faith. And though they believed a lot of the same things, they would have been looked down upon. In fact, as we read, she talked about worshiping on different mountains. It was the Jews who went to the mountain that the Samaritans worshipped on and actually tore down their temple um, at one point in history. And there was extreme tension. There was, there was no conversations to be had Um, If the direct route from point A to point P went through Samaria, the Jews would intentionally take longer routes to avoid going through these towns. These were people that didn't associate with one another. We're talking about racism at its peak here. We're talking about people who had a hate for one another. They wanted nothing to do with one another. And so when Jesus intentionally goes into this town, it's making a statement. And he goes at noonday and he sits down, tired from his journey, and he waits at this well. And lo and behold, here comes this woman carrying her water jar. She's coming to draw water from this well. And she's about to have a life-altering encounter that's extremely, extremely unlikely. And here's what we know about this woman. This woman not only would have been a Samaritan who would have been looked down upon, by Jews, so she would have already been someone that they wouldn't have had a conversation with, but of the Samaritans, this would have been uh, one of the lowest of the lows. This would have been the lady in town that when she walked into the building, people would have whispered about her under their breath. This would have been the the person in town that people would have had conversations about because of her past history. She would have been known for her five divorces She would have been known for her failed relationship. She would have been known to have been living with a sixth man now. She would have been considered a failure, an outcast in this society. In that day, one divorce uh, was extremely degrading to a person. Yet alone, two, three, four, and five that this woman had endured. This woman, in the eyes of these people, had issues. This woman wasn't worthy of any kind of stature in the community. Now, chances are you know someone, maybe maybe not someone that's had five divorces and is living with a sixth person now, but you know someone who's had some failures in life and you know potentially some people around town or even in your family that are looked down upon, 
They've made terrible decisions. They've, they've in the world's eyes, been failures. They've, they've left their lives in shambles, and, and they honestly are a mockery of the people that they hang around. I can, I can remember growing up, just hearing names of people and without knowing these people at all, we're talking as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, hearing names of people and, and thinking to myself, yeah, that's the alcoholic. Yeah, that's, that's the person that's really wealthy, but is kind of swindling people and everybody thinks that they're cheating or cheating people out of things. This would have been a woman that would have had that reputation that without even knowing this woman, you would have judged her based on her past mistakes. And we all can fall into that category because we all, like this woman, are imperfect people. And at some point in all of our lives, someone has had opportunities to degrade our name, to talk bad about us, to whisper behind our backs. But this woman had had so much of this in her lifetime that she didn't draw water when normal women would go to the water, to the well to draw water. No one in their right mind would go at the highest point of the day, the, the hottest point of the day, the noontime hour. This woman is going when no one else is there. Chances are because she doesn't want to see anyone. She doesn't want to have contact with anyone. She doesn't want to have to listen to the talk that's going to happen surrounding her life. She's ashamed. She's beat down. She's, she's been talked about and degraded so much that she is making a choice to go and do common everyday activities in a time when no one would because it's the most miserable time to do it. And here she is at the peak, at the height of the sun and the hottest point of the day doing a common everyday chore. Water is something that sustains life. It's a necessity for us to live. And so she's gathering her necessities at a time that's convenient for her not to have to deal with backlash from her life and the way people looked at her. And as she shows up to this well, she notices that there's a man there. It's a man she doesn't know. And it's a man that she recognizes to be a Jew. And so you can imagine in her heart the frustration of seeing someone there when she probably expected to be alone uh, and then realizing that this was a Jewish person and just the dread that probably flooded her knowing that there is going to be a negative altercation. She doesn't get along with Jews. Jews hate Samaritans. Of the Samaritans, she's the worst of the worst. She's used to being talked about and, and here this man is sitting at this well and as she goes to draw water, he begins to have a conversation with her. Notice how he starts this conversation when she comes to draw water at this well. He says, will you give me a drink? In which she's probably thinking, yeah, what's the catch? Like you would never ask a Samaritan for anything. You would never be in their presence, much less ask them for something. You don't want anything that I have to offer and so she responds to him and says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? We don't associate with one another. So, so their conversation is starting off on a foot that's just awkward, that doesn't make a lot of sense, that she would have not had this conversation on a regular basis. This would have been out of left field for a Jew to ask her for something. Let alone, she's a woman that, that no one wants anything from. And so Jesus answered her and says, 
in light of the fact that, hey, I know that we have our differences and you think that we would never ask anything from you. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This would have been a statement that as we read scripture and we have the knowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, we have the knowledge that Jesus was the Son of God, through the lens of our history and our knowledge that we don't think that this is too strange, but to this woman who doesn't know that Jesus is the Son of God, that doesn't know that Jesus is the Messiah sent from him to save the world, that doesn't know his history and doesn't see him through that lens. Uh, can we just say this would have been a strange statement? Like if you knew the living water that God would offer, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Like, what does that even mean? And we can see her, her lack of understanding in the way that she responds to him. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and flocks and herds? Like, how would I have asked you for something when you don't even have anything to draw with? You don't have a pail, you don't have a bucket, you have nothing to let down into the water and the well is deep. It's not like you're just gonna hop in and get me something. What are you even talking about? Have you ever seen the movie Waterboy? Um, in the movie Waterboy, uh, Adam Sandler plays uh, this special child who has incredible talents on the football field. And um, there's a point in the movie, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it's Lawrence Taylor, LT's having this football camp for, for these young kids. And the water boy has been invited to speak to these kids. Um, and he basically says nothing in the matter of a minute, uh, aside from like when they snap the ball, I go and try to tackle them. And he he kind of blunders his speech to these kids. It's not motivational at all. And he ends his time together. And what's, do you remember what LT says to the kids? He says, what well, brings me to my next points? Don't smoke crack. <laughs> like, there are some times when you have conversations with people where you're just like, dude, what are you on? Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. I, I met someone a couple of days ago and I left the conversation and I just said, I'm not gonna tell you who it is, but I left the conversation and I just said, that was just strange. Like, I wonder if they're on something. Like, I wonder if they were high. Like, I don't, I don't know if they were normal. Like, that was just the oddest conversation that I've had in a really long time. And this woman would have been probably thinking this. Like, what are you even talking about? You asked me for water, and then you tell me that if I knew who you were, you, I would have asked you for water. You have nothing to draw with, but you've got living water. So it makes sense. I mean, this is just completely like they're on different, different playing fields here, and she's confused. And she just kind of, it's, it's just awkward in the moment, and she just kind of goes with it. And listen to how she, listen to how she keeps going and responds. He, he says back to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. She's like, okay, I got that. I'm going to drink this water. There'll come a time where I'll be thirsty again and I'll need more water to quench that thirst. But he says, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she's like, dude, what? 
What are you talking about? I can drink water. I'll never be thirsty again. In fact, inside of me, there'll be like springs of water. What is it going to like squirt out of me? I don't, this is crazy. What are you talking about? She has no clue what he's talking about. And I think it's somewhat intentional that he is trying to create a dynamic in the conversation to capture her attention. And so she says, sir, give me this water. Like, I'd like to try it. Whatever you're on, I'd like to try it. I don't know, it's working for you. Give me some of that. Give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Like, if you can offer me something that's gonna keep me from having to come to this well every day and draw water, I want it. Like, I'll never be thirsty again. Sounds good, sign me up. I mean, I'll try it, whatever, I'm down for anything. If you knew my past, you know, I'm, I'm down for anything, whatever, like, I'll try it. And then he he kind of shifts gears again, just crazy. He says to her, go and call your husband and come back. What's my husband got to do with this? Where's my husband in this conversation? What are you even talking about? I thought you were gonna give me some water. I was gonna drink the water. I'd never be thirsty again. I wouldn't have to come back here and face the people that I hate facing day after day. And now you want my husband to come. So, so she just honestly says, I don't, I don't have a husband. And he just gets all up in her business. All up in her business says, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five. And the man you're with now, he's not your husband. So what you say is quite true. And you can imagine she's like, okay, there is something different about this man. Not only is he talking about water that I can drink and it'll make me be... Uh, It'll quench my thirst forever. But now he knows about me. Like, how does he know me? And so she does what a lot of us try to do in those uncomfortable moments when someone says something about us or asks something of us that we're ashamed of, that we don't want to talk about. And she changes the topic completely. Well, let's not, let's not talk about the men in my life right now. And let me just ask you something, because I can tell... I can tell there's something about you. Like you must be a prophet or something for no one would know those things about me that you just know. So, so I admit there's something about you uh, that's different. But, but here's what I want to know. Okay, because us Samaritans, we say that we should worship on this mountain. But you Jews, you say that you should worship in Jerusalem. Uh, so what do you say? Where should we worship? And it's like she's trying to have this spiritual conversation with God. It's humorous when we look at it. She doesn't know it at the time. It's like, it's like when you bring up religious things and you talk about something religious to someone uh, who doesn't expect it, uh, and it's like they have those token kind of things that they say to prove that they know things about God. Uh, like I've been around people before who uh, were not acting godly whatsoever, uh, who might be like dropping F-bombs and, and whatnot, and then they hear like, oh, that guy's a pastor, and I always hate for people to find that out because they always act differently, but it's like they immediately, oh yeah, so what type of church are you at? Yeah, I love, grew up with this type of background. And, and they kind of have this like, if I ever run into somebody and have to have a spiritual conversation, I'm gonna memorize a couple of things and let them know, hey, I'm, I'm good, so don't talk to me about that. And so she brings up this issue of worship. Where should we worship? And Jesus just kind of shatters her whole paradigm of how she is approaching this conversation, this, this worship idea. And he, and he starts talking about, listen, there's a time coming where you won't worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For true worshipers worship the Father in spirit 
and in truth. In fact, those are the type of worshipers that the Father seeks. Now get this, Jesus went out of his way to go to a well, the hottest part of a day, to have an interaction with a woman that he should have no interaction with according to people of that day. And not only was it a Samaritan woman, but it was one of no reputation. And so he seeks out a conversation and then he brings this conversation full circle back to the woman and says, if you want to talk about spiritual things here, let me me just let you in on something. It's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. And it's not about what you do to worship, but it's about how out of your heart you worship. And he says the Father is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. There's been a lot of talk about what this means to worship the Father in spirit and truth, but I think the heart of it, when you look at the original language and you go back and get the gist of what Jesus is talking about here, is he's saying, I want people who will be themselves when they worship me. I want people who will be themselves when they worship me. That's who the Father seeks. He's not seeking someone that says, I have to go to a certain place in order to worship. And he's not seeking someone who says, I have to do certain rituals or routines or, or say certain verses or certain prayers or have something memorized and that's what I have to do in order to worship. I don't have to do a certain thing. Jesus is saying, I want people who can just be genuine in front of me. It's funny that churches can be some of the fakest places in our cultures because because people live for themselves We're all by nature selfish. We all by nature seek our own good and we live for ourselves throughout the week and then a lot of times we think, well, we should go to church on Sunday and maybe that'll bring good luck on my life or or maybe it'll make me look good in the eyes of other people or maybe I'll get a sales lead when I'm at church or whatever your motivation might be for coming to church. It's almost like we leave who we are behind and we put on this like, this Christian this church outfit and we come and we put on our smile it doesn't matter what was said and who cussed each other out on the way to church but we how are you you know and a lot of churches are like how are you brother so and so and sister so and so and it's like dude you don't talk to anybody like that or do you ever go into work and say how are you sir boss my brother you know you but we have these languages and we put on these facades and we pretend that everything's okay and we smile when we don't feel like smiling and we laugh when we don't feel like laughing. We shake hands with people that we don't feel like shaking hands with. We say things that we don't really mean and we sing things that are far from where we are in life. And then we turn around and we walk out the doors and we say, oh, that was good. And then we're like back to our normal life. And Jesus is letting this woman know You've got nothing that you can hide from me, which is true for all of us. I know everything about your life. I know every detail about your life. There's nothing that you've ever done that will be hidden from me, and there's nothing that you ever will do that I won't know about. I know everything about you, Samaritan woman, of no reputation, looked down on upon by all of your peers, I know it all, and yet I'm here today, no one else is. 
This woman obviously would have been a woman who would have been searching for something in life. She had searched for things through the avenue of relationships. She didn't find what she was looking for in those relationships, apparently. And, and we all have our own avenues by which we seek things. And whatever those avenues are for searching for things, we need to know this today. It doesn't matter what our past looks like. It doesn't matter what our current circumstances are. Is Jesus is seeking people who will worship him and be themselves. Here's, here's what I love, love about this story. Like if Jesus was looking for someone to worship him, couldn't he have gone to Jerusalem and couldn't he have gone to the synagogue and couldn't he have found the religious leaders of that day and expected to receive worship from them? Could he not have gone to the people who everyone would have looked up to and said, they've got everything together, they're just perfect. You know people like that, that you'd think that they're just, man, they've just got everything together. That's the most godly person I know. When Jesus could have gone to them, and we would have thought he would have been right to do so, like, those are the religious people. If you're looking for someone to worship you, you should go there. But he doesn't do that. Because his heart is not for people who have it together. His heart are for people who are living in messes. That's why he came, Luke 19, 10, I love it. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And so he goes out of his way to have a conversation with this woman to reveal to her that indeed he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. She had a knowledge to say, well, one day, this is all confusing to me, but one day the Messiah will come and he'll explain everything. And he says, I'm here. Like, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one you've heard about ever since you were a child that would one day come. I'm here. And I'm here with you in this moment to let you know that I don't care about where you've been or where you are. I care about who you are. And I want to bring fulfillment and satisfaction to your life that you're not going to find in those relationships that you're not going to find in those substances, that you're not going to find in those habits, that you're not going to find in whatever pursuits you may have in life. I've got something to offer you that will quench the desires that you have deep within. She was drawing water, and she could have drank that water, and she would have had to come back the next day because she would have needed more water. And Jesus was saying, I've got something that's so much greater than that. And the love that I can give you will quench the deepest, most heartfelt longings that you could ever have. And this woman left changed. And we didn't read all the story, but she goes back. Not only does she go back a changed woman, but she goes back and tells everyone in town that would have nothing to do with her that she has met someone who could be the Christ and that they should come and see for themselves. And multitudes came and heard Jesus. And Jesus stayed for two days teaching people. And the Bible says that many people placed their faith in Jesus because of this woman. I'm thinking if I'm God, my strategy is find the most spiritual people and empower them to teach people the things of God. But Jesus doesn't do that. He goes to the woman who has no reputation and he uses her to bring Dozens, if not hundreds of people from this town in Samaria, which would have been hated by the Jews, to Jesus. A far greater 
reward that she could have ever imagined, a far greater responsibility than she would have ever dreamed of, and a satisfaction that would last for eternity. She received that day at the well. She went for water, but she left with fulfillment and true satisfaction. And here's what I think about us. Is it like this woman? We all have places and things in our life that we're chasing after, that we're searching for, that we're longing for, that we desire in our hearts. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we've chased a lot of things that don't bring fulfillment. And we look back on our life and we say, I thought that that would have brought peace to my life. I thought that I would have been happier because of that. I thought that that would have you know, made my life better, but it wasn't. It was a waste of time. And I put a lot of energy and effort into something that didn't last. And you may be here today. I don't know. You may be here today and you may be just at a place in life where you just don't feel valuable. You feel like you don't have much to offer and you feel like this woman at this well that rightly so could be talked about by anyone you come in contact with that you have no worth and today I hope you'll leave knowing that Jesus he values you he's got a deep love in his heart for you and he's searching for people who will just be themselves before him there's a lot of people that think you know, this whole church thing, this whole God thing, like it's on my to-do list and someday I'm going to do it. But I got to take care of some things first because you, people make the statement, you just, you just don't know my past. I don't have to. I don't. I've got a past myself. You don't know my past. We all have a past. The good news about God is that he, he's bigger than your past. And he loves you in spite of your past. He's not surprised by your past. He's not put off by your past. So you could have been divorced five times and living with a sixth person. You could have squandered all of your possessions. You could have betrayed trust of people. You could have, you could have done things that people would talk about into your grave. And Jesus still loves you. And he still offers you living water that will bring satisfaction that you'll never find on your own. Lord Jesus, today we come before you as thirsty men and women, as students who are thirsty in life, who go to wells every day and draw water that we think will quench our thirst. And those wells look different for all of us and we're all drawing different things. But at the end of the day, you're by that well right now. And the message that you have for us is that what we're drawing won't satisfy forever, but you offer something that will. And that's the love of a God who embraces who we are without hiding it from him. And so today, I pray, Lord, that we could have a heart that's stripped naked before you, that we could drop all of our facades and all of the masks and, and everything that we clothe ourselves with to disguise who we really are. 
and vulnerable before you, we could just receive the love that you offer. We could just receive the gift of living water this morning.